The following podcast is presented by Together Washington. Together Washington, we are seeking to build bridges across divides and tell the inspiring stories of those building the common good. If you'd like to support or get involved with Together Washington, go to togetherwashington.com. I'm so glad you're with us. And speaking of expressing your opinion, we're going to have a few opinions, I think, on the show today, which is always good. We're always getting into robust dialogue. Of course, we're always going to be respectful and, and hear from various sides, which I think is why you love the show. You appreciate the fact that we can have so many varying points of view and really dive into the issues facing us here locally and nationally. We're going to be joined here by CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association, John Scholes, who's going to give us an update on what's happening, not only the Downtown Seattle Recovery, but with Compassion Seattle, as you have uh, probably heard here in the past, we've had John on a couple times, but uh, Compassion Seattle has been an effort uh, to put a charter amendment into place into the city, take it before the voters, get it onto the ballot, and mandate that the city puts into action um, housing and services uh, for those struggling with homelessness, as well as uh, creating a um, space in our parks and public spaces so that uh, people can use those, uh, many of the parks, once again. So we're going to be joined by John here to give us an update on what's happening with this Compassion Seattle. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me. How you doing, man? You good? I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you doing? Hey, you know, hanging in there, hanging in there. I'd, yeah. uh, I look forward to getting back to fall and maybe uh, maybe seeing seeing you around around the city. But I tell you, give us the give us the update. Um, what's going on with Compassion Seattle? Yeah, as I think many have probably read in the news over the last few days. Unfortunately, uh, King County Superior Court Judge Schaefer made a ruling to take the measure off the November ballot. It's a ruling we disagree with at the campaign. We think her interpretation was incorrect, but judges make interpretations, and she made hers. And uh, in effect, she said that this November voters could not, by way of charter, change the city's approach to homelessness. So the only way to change this city's failed approach to how they're addressing homelessness is really to change who's in charge. And thankfully, voters do have an opportunity to change who's in charge with the mayor's race, uh, two council races, and a city attorney's uh, race this November. So uh, while the charter amendment may not be on the ballot this November, homelessness still very much is on the ballot, and voters have some really important choices to make. So when you saw that news come down, what was what was your what was going through your head right away? It was just disappointing and unfortunate because we're denying the judge's decision and effect denies you know hundreds of thousands of voters in Seattle the opportunity to vote on what they say is the number one issue that they're concerned and frustrated about homelessness, and it's an issue that's only gotten worse over the last five, six years since our elected officials declared it a state of emergency and we're spending more today than ever before. And we all see more people out suffering in our parks and public spaces and tents and alleys and sidewalks. So we believe that voters should have their say on this. Elected officials 
uh, have had the opportunity to address this issue for many, many years, uh, and they haven't effectively, and they pointed fingers and fought with one another and uh, spent more money, but the effect has been more people outside. So I think the decision is really unfortunate, particularly in a, in a state and in the region and city that we're in where um, the, the ballot initiative, whether it's through a, a charter or amending an ordinance, is uh, an important part of our democracy here. So we believe voters should have their say and, and, and should have had their say on this. Um, and uh, even if they're not going to be able to vote on the charter amendment, there are some really important races that are going to find uh, how this issue is addressed, and, and voters should really dig into those uh, those races. And uh, those candidates that have embraced the approach of Charter Amendment 29, and there's those that um, oppose it. Were you surprised when this ruling came out? Was this a poten- something that was a potential that you were suspecting, okay, this could happen, or was it, or was it out of the blue? Not something we expected. And, again, we really disagree with the interpretation um, of the ruling and uh, state, or, uh, state law and, uh, and the ruling itself. So um, it's, it's not something that uh, we expected and, uh, you know, hearing from many of, you know, 30 plus thousand voters who signed the petition to put this on the ballot, just their frustration of being denied the opportunity to consider this. And, uh, but, um, like I said, there's really important races and and candidates here that, uh, have embraced the charter amendment itself and, and the, you know, key components of treatment and more emergency housing and opening up our parks and making services, available and really responding to this emergency like an emergency with a clear accountable plan. So thankfully those, those choices uh, will still be on the ballot for voters in Seattle to consider. It was, it was thought that having compassion Seattle on the ballot in November would, which of course it was a, a kind of a wedge issue of sorts, but it would help drive, um, you know, voters to the ballot in, in particular who would, probably back, let's say, Bruce Harrell, Bruce, uh, the, the mayor's race is Bruce Harrell and, and Lorena Gonzalez. Bruce was for Compassion Seattle. Lorena was against it. And many thought that this would have been a, a help to Bruce and to bring people out uh, because many thought Compassion Seattle would, would pass without a doubt. What will that do now to uh, the election? Is that going to suppress turn out a little bit and perhaps hurt Bruce's chances? No, I don't think so at all. I mean, I think um, this issue isn't going away. The frustration and concern that voters have with the lack of progress addressing tents and encampments and homelessness is not going away. Uh, And they expect mayoral and council and city attorney candidates to have a plan and perspective. And, And most voters have said, we support Compassion Seattle and we want you to support it too. I talked to one mayoral candidate back in the primary, and, and they told me that that was the number one issue they got when they were outdoor belling is, I don't want to hear about anything else. I want to know where you stand on Compassion Seattle. So whether or not they're going to get an opportunity to vote on the charter amendment itself, I don't think it um, is going to diminish the, the interest that voters have on this issue and the demand that they have for candidates for for office um, to have a plan that looks very much like the plan that, um, that they uh, agreed to put on the ballot and uh, wanted to vote on, which was Charter Amendment 29. So I, this frustration is not going anywhere, and I think voters are smart enough to know that um, 
you know, the, 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 the people in, in charge here have the ultimate responsibility of how this issue is addressed, and voters get to decide who's in charge. We're talking to John Skoll, CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association. And, John, you mentioned the uh, candidates for uh, the November election. How is the Downtown Seattle Association handling that this year? Right? Typically, you don't endorse candidates, but you have um, kind of – you put out a scorecard and – and and you and you distribute that, and you kind of share, you know, who, who kind of meets some of the uh, distinctives for the DSA. Are, are you doing the same thing again this year? Or what does that look like? Yeah, we we evaluate candidates, and we sent all candidates uh, for council positions in the in the mayor's office a, a questionnaire. And one question this year, which was uh, we kept it simple, given the complicated times we're in, is what's your plan for downtown recovery and recognizing that the health of downtown matters really to our entire city and you know, all the, the tax levies and services and investments and infrastructure and other things that are important to quality of life really depend on a economically successful and thriving downtown. So what matters uh, to the three square miles of downtown um, and what happens here really matters to the whole city. So we asked candidates, what's your plan? And uh, in 750 words or less and uh, you know, uh, Bruce Harrell sent us his plan. Uh, Council President Gonzalez said she didn't have one and, and wasn't going to send us one and, and didn't believe downtown needed its own plan. We disagree, obviously. Uh, so we made evaluations of in that race and then same for uh, council. And um, candidate Sarah Nelson uh, aligns very strongly with our priorities, as does uh, Bruce Harrell for uh, mayor. And we'll be doing um, the same for the, the city attorney's race. So uh, that information's on our website, so if you care about downtown and you want to ensure that the folks that you're voting for have a plan, you can go to downtownseattle.org and read those responses and read our ratings and, and, and judge for yourself. Well, Council President Gonzalez made it maybe the easiest evaluation you've ever done? Well, when you don't turn in your homework, yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to grade it, right? But, uh, and um, it, was, it was incomplete and... Uh, and I think, unfortunately, and it really it shows sort of a lack of understanding of the, the significance of what happens in the center of Seattle to the rest of the city and rest of the region. And, you know, home to thousands of small businesses and arts and culture and low-income housing and senior housing and 100,000 residents. And, uh, and uh, what happens here really matters to our whole city. So we, we think we all should be united in, in trying to get downtown going again. Um, because uh, every every great city has a, a healthy, thriving downtown, and that's certainly been the case here in Seattle. Well, speaking of the recovery of downtown Seattle, the Seattle Times editorial board, they just came out a couple days ago with a editorial saying hopes for downtown recovery depend on safety and security. And, you know, they, they go on to talk about that this has been a significant issue um, and that city really needs to step up and provide a safe and secure environment. What, what were your thoughts on their editorial that they wrote? Yeah, every city is, in order to be successful, is first needed to be safe and, and welcoming to everybody. And, and that's been true since the history of cities. And, and if it's not, people make other decisions and they go other places and they spend their money and time in, in other places and in other ways. So we've got a lot going for us in in downtown with, you know, a new waterfront on its way and the new arena and the crack and drop in the puck here in another month or so. And, 
you know, lots of investment and, and, uh, you know, arts and culture opening back up and all that. So we've got a lot of assets and positives, but we got to acknowledge the challenges as well. And, and, and right now we have, you know, too many people living unsheltered on our streets that are dealing with mental health and substance use, not connected to services, not connected to housing. Uh, and we have other people sort of taking advantage of them or, or harming others and, and harming property. Uh, and we haven't had a, a sufficient, coherent, and sustained response from um, you know, our public leaders. And in many ways, some of those so-called leaders have made things worse by driving a lot of police officers out of town. And, um, and uh, we've seen the problems throughout this pandemic that were challenges before the pandemic for Seattle and for downtown in many ways um, get worse. So, you know, there's, there's lots of positives. There's lots of upside and, and great things to do downtown. You can come downtown and have a great, safe, you know, fun experience like you and your family did. Uh, I think over the 4th of July, was it? And, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, right. and like, like thousands of families are and uh, visitors and residents and, and workers each and every day. But we've got to own up and acknowledge some of these challenges and, uh, and develop uh, more responsible and effective uh, responses to uh, bringing people inside that are suffering from mental health and substance use, but also holding folks accountable that are, you know, out hurting them and others and, and, uh, and uh, committing property crime. And, and our systems and interventions and, and programs for doing that have, have not been sufficient. And, and that's, I think, the worst kept secret in Seattle. Yeah. The, the potential is just so unbelievable. When I think about, you know, you mentioned Waterfront Park and you mentioned um, Climate Pledge Arena. By the way, are, have you gotten used to saying Climate Pledge Arena or are you calling it something else? <laughs> I, I should call it, yeah, it's, it's official name. I call it the new arena, but I guess cause once it's open, yeah, maybe I'll adopt and embrace Climate Pledge. But <laughs> it's yeah. a beautiful facility. I mean, I was by there couple days ago and it's it's spectacular it's going to be the top five arena in the country yeah it's, and then we had you know we had bruce harrell on and you know he keeps mentioning you know chris hansen and the soto arena you know obviously he's you know he he's on he knows something there as if there's going to be uh that's still in play and i mean if that actually materializes over the years in that soto kind of entertainment district that Hanson wanted to see unfold. I mean, you throw a waterfront park, you do it, Soto kind of cre- get some kind of entertainment district. I mean, this, the potential there is just off the charts. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in any other downtown with given the assets we have in kind of renewing and rebuilding and reopening than this one. I mean, Seattle is in such a strong position. There's no doubt we have our set of challenges, but you look at the assets we have in place now, and then all these new things that are online coming our way. Uh, and I really do think our best days uh, are ahead of us. And it's a matter of just focusing with greater urgency and attention and uh, results oriented mindset on some of these challenges that we've let fester for too long. And, uh, and it's expensive the way we're um, addressing or not addressing some of these issues. And I think we need to um, acknowledge that and the, and the risk um, that uh, our inability to address chronic homelessness or, or create a safe and welcoming downtown for everybody um, that poses to, uh, you know, the bright future that, that really, I think, is ahead for us. Yeah. 
I know last question here, John. I know this is probably on the back, back, back burner. But you and I, over the years, have in different ways attempted to bring a elementary school into downtown Seattle. And there's been different kind of starts and stops on that, some promising leads. Is there any update on that? I think it's still very promising. The, the need is still there. One of the fastest growing demographics downtown over the last 10 years has been kids, particularly kids five to 10 years old. Uh, so there's a couple upcoming school levies and we hope that there's investment in those levies for particularly a K through eight, which is really needed in the downtown. And that'll take pressure off some of the surrounding, you know, elementary and, and uh, middle schools outside of downtown. So I'm still optimistic um, that uh, we are going to get public education back into the downtown uh, which we haven't had for quite some time. Yeah, that's great. Well, I tell you, I appreciate all your work, John. And I, I mean, here after we kind of make it through everything and, and you see everything open and, and the potential realized, uh, you're going to probably sail off into the sunset and say, man, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I was, I helped, you know, shepherd this uh, city through, um, a time that we'll all look back on and, and read about in the history books. So appreciate all your your incredible work and your perseverance to uh, see a healthy city, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, plenty of work to do, and we're sort of all in this together and getting uh, the heart of our city going again. And my ask to everybody is come on downtown and support small business and arts and culture and all the things that are open, and you can go to upctown.com com to uh, learn about all the different events and all the happenings that uh, are taking place. There's, there's more outdoor concerts and performances and other things this summer than ever before. So come check it out and, uh, and support those great businesses that need you right now. Yeah. Excellent. John Skoll, CEO of the downtown Seattle association. Thanks for joining us on the program today. Always appreciate it, Tim. Thank you. Yep. Have a good one. Thanks, John. You too. It was John Scholes, CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association, giving us the update. Today uh, is one of those days, of course. Yesterday we had John Scholes, our, our good friend on the program, the CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association. He gave us an update on Compassion Seattle, which if you're new to what Compassion Seattle is, it was going to be a... A charter amendment that the voters would vote on in November, and if uh, voted on, uh, would become, again, a charter amendment that would mandate that the city uh, provides housing and services for the homelessness emergency that we've been in for a number of years now, as well as keeping our public parks and spaces free for everyone to use. And we've got a big update on that today. Uh, we've got breaking news on Compassion Seattle, and John is back with us to share that with us. John, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tim. I hope I'm not wearing out my welcome here. Are you kidding me, man? (laughs) Dude, people are, people are calling in, texting in. They're like, we want more John. We want more John. (laughs) I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. (laughs) So today, some uh, big news and uh, folks haven't been reading the the papers or the headlines. Um, Why don't you go ahead and and let folks know what is happening as of today with Compassion Seattle. Sure. Well, as a Friday, just to catch folks up, uh, King County Superior Court, Catherine, Judge Catherine Schaefer 
uh, struck the charter amendment that would address homelessness in a city that's been referred to as the Compassion Seattle Charter Amendment from the, the ballot this November. Uh, and after hearing, you know, an outcry of uh, disappointment from our um, supporters and voters who signed petitions to place that amendment on the ballot, uh, and they urged us to appeal. And so this morning we filed an appeal of that decision with the Washington State Court of Appeals and essentially asking the court to stay the ruling by Judge Schaefer uh, and, re- and issue that stay um, in short order so that King County could proceed and print their ballots and include this measure on on the ballot. And then the courts can can sort things out following um, the election uh, should it be adopted by voters. But bottom line, we think voters should have an opportunity to address this issue at the ballot. So what is the, what, what's the turnaround time here? I mean, this is, we're, this is time sensitive right now, right? We're talking, we're two months out. Can something like this get turned around in, in that time frame? Yeah, we proposed an expedited schedule to the court for, you know, the, the, uh, opponents to issue their response. They have time to do that. And then we issue a reply and then it would be in front of the court. We hope this, this Friday and and the courts agree generally to that schedule. So we expect a quick ruling here by the court of appeals. And uh, if they agree to a stay, then this would be back on the ballot uh, for voters to consider so that we can really address this crisis in a new way. This crisis has only gotten worse over the last several years. uh, And we don't have a plan. We don't have agreement. We don't have, you know, a strategy at City Hall right now. And that, that's the reality. That's the status quo. And we see the heartbreaking results of all of that throughout our parks and uh, public areas and neighborhoods across Seattle. Was the judge responding to um, an, a, an effort from, from, an, from the opponents of Compassion Seattle? Is that why she struck this down? Was there something that was uh, filed with her court so she agreed with them? I guess I didn't follow that part. Well, the judge actually, in before she spoke to her ruling on the matter itself, said as a voter, um, she supported the, the substance of the measure. Now, she disagreed that you could affect the city's homelessness response by way of a charter amendment. She thought that was uh, out of bounds of what state law allowed. We completely disagree and think her interpretation is, is way off base, and we look forward to arguing uh, that case in, in the the merits around it in the court of appeals. Um, but on the substance, uh, she, she agreed. And, and I think she did because in, in many ways, she's got a front row seat as the, do all the judges in our King County courthouse to the tragedy that's played out at city hall park, right next door to the courthouse for many, many months of, of too many folks in need, uh, living in tents, um, creating a really difficult, challenging environment for the neighborhood, but also for the folks, um, working in the courthouse and jurors, uh, and the folks that are, you know, living in that terrible situation. So she's seen the failure of uh, the current strategy to address homelessness in the city firsthand, right outside of her courtroom. And I think that may have had some impact on her uh, expression of support for, you know, the substance of what we're trying to do here. Uh, but again, her, we disagree with her interpretation, which is really about what you can, what kind of laws and, and policy you can affect by way of the ballot. And you know, it, for voters in Seattle, we vote for a lot of things on the ballot, whether it's, you know, marijuana or addressing plastic bags. We voted on those things. We think um, that, uh, you know, addressing the crisis of homelessness should be something that voters have an opportunity to consider at the ballot as well. Yeah, I mean, 
when you put it like that, John, and you and you look at the things we have voted on, and then you can't vote on this, it's it doesn't logically it doesn't like really square up. But it's interesting that the judge actually made her personal views and feelings known. That that had to be strategic on her part because why would why would you do that? Because certainly she's going to get criticism because judges really aren't supposed to necessarily do that in a situation like this i was kind of surprised to see her do that i was like that's a little bit unique it almost made me think okay was that strategic on her part that she came out with that information well i think it reflects just how significant this issue is in our community right now you know it's whether you're a judge or a small business owner or a resident or you know, a retail worker um, or a visitor to the city. I mean, this is the issue that's front and center. Uh, or if you're someone living unsheltered, right? I mean, this is the issue. And we're all frustrated by the current status quo and the lack of progress and that we seem to spend more but see more people outside. So uh, I think she was, you know, speaking as a citizen. And and, uh, and uh, so in, in some ways, yeah, it was surprising. You don't usually hear that from judges, but she was able to sort of maintain her, um, you know, lack of, of prejudice because the ruling was, the, the effect of the ruling was not in our favor, even though she was in favor of the substance. So, uh, again, we disagree with her interpretations. Hope the Court of Appeals will um, allow voters to have their say on this. And, and uh, because... The real prejudice here in the court's decision is not to the folks who challenged the measure and are working to keep it off the ballot. There's no harm done to them if this goes before voters. But there's significant harm to voters by having a lack of opportunity, hundreds of thousands of voters in the city, a lack of opportunity to consider this and to fill out their ballot uh, for it if it's not on the ballot. And, and that's our point to the Court of Appeals. And the irony here is the plaintiff's attorney made a similar case six years ago in a separate ballot measure in Olympia uh, on behalf of his clients that said, well, just let's let people vote on this. Let's let this go before voters. And and then we can argue about the legality of it uh, at another time. If, um, if, you know, if the court so chooses. And uh, so that's what we're seeing here. And we believe the, the substance is completely um, above board and, and there's not an issue there. And, and importantly, voters should have a, a chance to consider it. Who was the judge responding to? Who, who, who's the opponent that brought something forward that the judge ruled on? Who was that? Who, who brought the original case forward? Yeah. Uh, the plaintiffs in the case of the Transit Riders Union, um, the ACLU, uh, and uh, some other, a couple other homeless advocacy organizations and, and activist groups, uh, you know, Good people, no doubt, but um, folks that uh, I think are, are working hard to really just continue the, the status quo in our city, unfortunately. And I don't, you know, you can go around this city and uh, and clearly see that that's not working. And uh, no matter where you're at, whether it's the, the spray park that's shut down in Ballard or Lower Woodland and Green Lake, where we're not having cross country uh, meets this fall uh, or uh, parts of downtown. Too many people suffering in our public spaces, and we need a change of direction. Yeah, I, I really hate to even say this because I don't like to just overgeneralize, and that's usually not helpful. And but there are certainly specific cases and instances where some of these the groups that are 
pushing this, they have a lot to gain by essentially perpetuating what this issue is and just kind of stringing this out along that. And I, and I've seen this myself. There's a lot of people getting super wealthy off of the homelessness crisis, right? I mean, the amount, and you mentioned this earlier, the, the amount of sheer money that's getting poured into this is, is mind boggling. I mean, we're talking, we're talking billions of dollars, right? I mean, over the last, since, since the emergency was, uh, mentioned, you know, what, five, six, seven years ago. Right. I mean, we're, we're talking over billion, I mean, I don't know, one to two billion dollars put into this. I mean, there's institutions and organizations and individuals who are doing very well for themselves because of this emergency. And to perpetuate it is, and, and kind of keep it going, not that anyone would ever, ever say that, and maybe even think that but there is that carrot to perpetuate what's happening yeah i mean i think there's been a small group of people that have been sort of on the inside with city hall leaders in driving this failed strategy for many many years and they have an interest in defending it and and upholding their ability to sort of run the show as they've run it and uh, i think the rest of us are looking for you know effective compassionate accountable solutions that result in fewer people outside suffering, dying, uh, having, you know, negative impacts to their own health and to neighborhoods and parks and public areas. And, uh, and that's what this is about is providing an alternative plan. That's really based on best practices that are at work in other cities. Other cities are making progress in addressing the population of those who are chronically homeless within their own borders. And uh, meanwhile, we're, uh, we've been going in the opposite direction and have almost 4,000 people within the city of Seattle living outside today. Wow. You know, I, I, would, I would certainly uh, bet that if this gets on the ballot, it will fly and pass with flying colors. Although I probably shouldn't say that, though, because uh, two weeks ago I did um, – come out and say the Mariners would make the playoffs this year. So you're not wrong yet, but uh, some of this kind of back and forth could end up being helpful, John, because it keeps compassion Seattle in the news and in the headlines. And I think for the most part, Seattleites are going to, are going to vote for it because it is uh, a plan and it is a step in the right direction and it's better than no plan. Yeah, voters want results on this issue. And whether Compassion Seattle's on the ballot or not, and we hope it is, we hope the Court of Appeals will allow it to go forward. Uh, whether we're on or not, homelessness is, is on the ballot in, in uh, this general election with the race for mayor, council, and city attorney. Voters have real clear choices among candidates that have embraced the approach that we've offered and those that have outright opposed it and really haven't offered an alternative plan of their own. So. Whether the charter amendment is there when voters fill out their ballot here in, in another month or so or not, uh, the issue of homelessness and the direction we take on it as a city very much will be on the ballot as voters consider uh, candidates for, for these offices. Yeah, John Scholes, CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association. Thanks for joining us and giving us that update. And hopefully we can, uh, as we hear back from uh, Court of Appeals, we can get you back on. 
and uh, really just make sure people um, we give the people what they want. It's more John Scholes. So um. <laughs> well, I hope they really get the op- what they want is the opportunity to vote on this thing. So stay tuned, and we hope to have a resolution on Friday. Thanks for coming on, my friend. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Tim. All right, John Scholes, CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association, giving us the update on Compassion Seattle.